church say amen. Let the church say amen again. Let the church say amen again. One for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit. Uh, I am not preaching today because I got some really good news. I just found out this week that I'm a gagillionaire. So I'm taking the rest of the year off. Uh, our youth pastor is preaching today, our new youth pastor. I'm not really here to introduce him because he and his wife and kids have been introduced before. Uh, he's a young man that, think about it, he moved here from Texas. Um, and starting life over because he believes in youth ministry. Think about that now in your 20s, you leave all that you know and come to a place that you don't know because you believe God sent you. So rather than introduce him today, my objective here today is I want everyone under the sound of my voice to partner with Eric and his wife in ministry. That's what I, I'm asking you to do. Um, I want you to buy in to the fact that I'm a part of the youth ministry, whoever you are. I'm a part of the youth ministry. Well, you're saying I don't have kids. You can still be a part of the youth ministry. You're saying I do have kids. Uh, you can still be a part of the youth ministry. So you may ask, what do I need to do uh, to be a part of the youth ministry? Maybe you don't know. Here's my advice. Ask Eric uh, when he's finished. Ask him what you can do. It may not be anything formal. Maybe something informal. It may be looking through your neighborhood, seeing some teenager that has nothing to do, and saying, you know what, can I bring you uh, to church, to my church, to the youth ministry? For me, I'm up here as... Uh, shepherd serving at the factory partly because my high school chemistry and physics teacher uh, told me about Jesus I had to stay after school and he told me why he was the way he was he mentioned Jesus to me it seemed like a small thing seems like bringing a kid in your neighborhood to youth group seems like a small thing but I wrote this down so much can rest on so little so much can rest on so little. My physics teacher just gave me a two-minute speech, and so much rested on that little speech. Now I'm, I'm a pastor. I want to say this, too, and this is going to get a little uncomfortable. If your skin is a different tone, shade, complexion, than is Eric's. Let me see your skin real quick, Eric. Let me just show. Okay. If your skin looks a little different than his, youth group is still for you. We're not trying to have a youth group where everybody looks the same. We're trying, even as a church, to reflect the kingdom of God. So, uh, 
we can't we can't deceive ourselves into thinking that proximity because you're sitting around you're close to somebody whose skin is a different shade than yours we have diversity proximity nor diversity equals community neither one does so just because you're sitting beside somebody whose skin looks different doesn't mean you're doing community with them uh, we're here to do community so with that being said let's support eric as he comes up in a second and gives the sermon support him during the sermon and support him and the ministry after the sermon after today be literally praying what can i do uh, to serve you with that being said we're still in mark chapter five you can probably rest assured you're going to get out earlier than you normally do I might be wrong. <laughs> Verse 21 says, And when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She told on herself. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. PK mentioned um, he asked you to do something to help the youth ministry. Um, I do have one idea. If you have kids, you can, like, bring them. You can do that. Um, <laughs> We would love to have them there Wednesday nights at 7. Um, as he said, I'm Eric Dexter. I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, my family and I moved here from Dallas, Texas. I see Lori Mandel. Hi, Lori. Lori helped us get a, a townhome. Thank you. That was, that was nice. No apartment. No more apartments. Um, we moved here from Dallas, Texas in October. We have never lived anywhere but Dallas, so this was brand new. Our first time in Georgia was when we visited this church, 
in August uh, to meet everybody and kind of experience the church. And I can say, and my wife can say, that since we've been here, this church has loved on us, supported us, cared for us, held us accountable, strengthened our marriage, strengthened our, our life as parents. So we, uh, it's crazy to say, but it's, it's only been a few months and we feel like we're at home. We feel like we have family. So um, because of that, it is very humbling to be standing in front of you, you people who I've seen love God the other six days and serve and, and show up and be consistent. It's very humbling to be standing in front of you. I don't take it lightly. Um, PK, thank you for trusting me and giving the word to the flock. Um, I think, if you don't mind, I think we should stand and honor PK because he has faithfully preached the word. And it's one thing is to, to speak publicly, but it's another thing to stand up and communicate the word of God to God's people. So let we honor you, PK. Thank you for faithfully doing that. He would never do that. So September 23rd, as you know, you know, when he was introducing us, you know, we were being introduced, my wife and I, to, to you all. And um, I put in my bio that our anniversary is September 22nd. And Keith, as he's introducing us, says, y'all know what September 23rd is? So I guess we know. Um, the second person I want to thank is my wife. She didn't know I was going to do this, but can you come up here? This is my wife, Janae. Um, I wanted to call her up here so you can see who she is, but also because I would not be up here preaching if I wasn't married to this woman. Um, so thank you. Love you. All right. I'll save the PDA. I'll save the PDA. Okay, let's get started. Um, this is, this is week three of our series called In Control. In Control. We're talking about the authority of Jesus. So in week one, we saw that Jesus has authority over our storms. In week two, we saw Jesus has authority over demons. And today we're going to see that Jesus has authority over sickness, over health issues. He has authority. Um, now, since we serve a God who is everywhere at the same time, who is the beginning and the end, I can give you a little spoiler alert. The conclusion of this series will reveal that Jesus Christ has all authority on heaven and on earth. That's kind of the point. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that 
we can rest on your authority and not our own. Thank you that you hold us together and we don't have to hold ourselves together. Thank you that you are strong where we're weak. I pray even right now that you begin to soften hearts, that you begin to make us receptive to your word, that you remove distraction, that your spirit move through this room, move in me, stand in me, hide me behind your cross. Help me to communicate your word with confidence and clarity to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Mark 5, verse 21 through 34. Um, By the time we get to this particular passage, Jesus has already earned a reputation as a miracle worker. Um, He has healed people. He has cast demons out. He has spoken to the, the wind and the waves. He's calmed the seas. And with every miracle... Uh, his popularity is is growing. More and more people are are hearing about this man performing these miracles. Um, And so as he crosses back over the water, thousands of people are awaiting his arrival. Thousands of people are expecting him. Now, what's interesting is most of these people actually did not believe in Jesus. Most of these people some of them were, were uh, wanting to be healed. They heard about what he did for somebody else, and they said, well, I have an issue. I would like you to heal me. Not necessarily believing in him, but wanting his, his power. Sound familiar? Um, some were suspicious. Some were suspicious of this man. They thought, is, it, is he really who he says he is? Some denied him. Some rejected him. But in our passage today, there's two people in particular who stand out from the crowd. Two people, two people who actually don't know each other. Two people who come from different sides of the tracks. Two people who can't be any more different. One person, Jairus or Jairus, is a synagogue ruler. The other person has been excommunicated from the synagogue. One person is wealthy. The other person doesn't have a dime to her name. One person is respected. The other person is rejected. Two people, different stories. But there is one thing they have in common. There's this word, and it's, it's faith. Faith. They believe in Jesus. Our first character is a man named Jairus, who the passage tells us is a synagogue ruler. At that time, this was a very important job. He mattered to his community, to his culture. See, Jairus was chosen by the elders in the synagogue to be in charge of the upkeep of the building. But not only that, he was also in charge of the entire worship service. He decided what what songs would be sang and what verses would be read, and, and, and he was in control of how the entire service went. This was a very important job. And um, believe it or not, back then, they did not need 68 committees to get things done. They just had a man, and they got it done. Some, I heard some Baptists laughing back there. Um, 
So Jairus was an important guy. He was an important man. He had status. He had influence. And so when he sees Jesus in verse 22, he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, I'm one of the rulers at the synagogue. I don't know if you've heard of me, but but I need you to do me a little favor. Hey, Jesus, let me give you my credentials. I'm J. Iris. I'm a synagogue ruler. Is that what your Bible says? My Bible says, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing Jesus, he, what, fell at his feet. What's interesting is Jairus is is a synagogue ruler, and, and very few synagogue rulers believed in Jesus. Very few believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but Jairus did. Jairus was actually going against his own people by publicly worshiping Jesus. So can I ask you something? Why is it so hard for people in positions of leadership to bow down and acknowledge the one true leader? Could it be that we don't acknowledge, that we don't want to acknowledge that Jesus has all authority? Could it be that our pride is in a way. Because check this out. If Jesus really does have all authority, then that means apart from him, we have none. None. So let me ask you directly, those of you who follow Jesus, is your status a stumbling block to your worship? Is your fat bank account Preventing you from bowing down before the king of kings. I'll keep moving. It's quiet. Because I got news for you. Uh, Jesus doesn't respond well to privilege or entitlement. He responds to humility. You know how I know? The second half of verse 24 says, and he went with him. Jesus didn't ask Jairus a question. He went with him. He joined him. Point number one, Jesus' authority enables him to walk with us. Walk with us. He walks with us. He doesn't send us a representative. He doesn't send us a close friend. He gives us himself. Write this down for me. When you cast down your pride, he walks by your side. I got some alliteration for y'all today. When you, when, when you cast down your pride, he walks by your side. So are you in a desperate situation? See, Jairus, his daughter was dying. This was his only child, 12 years old. She was at the point of death. He was in a desperate situation. So what he did was he cast down his pride, he cast down his status, and the only thing he came to Jesus with was a little bit of faith. So are you in a desperate situation? Because if so, the answer is to be desperate for Jesus. If you're in a desperate situation, then be desperate for Jesus. Give Jesus your pride, and he'll give you his presence. 
maybe, just maybe, some of our family members would get saved if we stopped acting like we are, we're where we are because we earned it. Maybe if we were a little more desperate for Jesus, the world would see what a Christian really is. We must humble ourselves of our pride so we can get his presence. Because when we invite him in, as Jairus did, he walks with us. That's a promise. It's not, it's not conditional. When we, when we submit ourselves to him, he walks with us. Point number two. Jesus' authority enables him to heal what no man can heal because he can see what no man can see. He can see what no man can see. Look at the second half of verse 24. It says, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, verse 26, and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Let's stop. What's interesting there is Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. And then he encounters another person in need of healing. Now, this passage doesn't say how Jairus responds and what he does while Jesus tends to this other woman when his daughter is dying. But it did come to mind. How do we respond when somebody else gets the healing we prayed for? What do we do? Here we see Jesus's authority intersect with his sovereignty. See, Jesus could have spoke a word and healed Jairus's daughter instantly. But he decided to walk with Jairus. Maybe because he knew there would be a woman in the crowd. And so his sovereignty intersects with his authority. This woman, this sick woman, has been suffering the same health issue for 12 years. This is a discharge of blood. This is a continual leaking of blood for 12 years. Can you imagine that? When a few months ago, we had to take my daughter to the ER. And, and as I was preparing this, it, it hit me. This woman had no hospital. She had no facility to run to. She didn't have adequate medical equipment to help her. So she went to doctor after doctor after doctor. And they couldn't help her. She was already in a desperate situation, and so she sought the help of man and got put in a more desperate situation. Now, now she's broke. Reminds me of something PK said a few weeks ago. Um, sometimes human solutions only put us in more bondage. But maybe... Maybe she's exactly where Jesus wants her to be. 
Maybe God has taken her to the end of her rope so he can show her that he's the only hope she needs. Jesus was her last hope. She was desperate. This woman was unclean. In that time, she was ostracized from her community. When you had a medical issue in this time, they considered it a spiritual issue. They considered you contaminated. She was not able to be a part of her community. Matter of fact, she couldn't have a family of her own because of this issue. She was cast out by society. Her society society looked at her and said, anything you touch will be contaminated. So don't touch anything. Stay away. So she's desperate. She's ostracized. And now she's broke. All for seeking help. Anybody been there before? Seeking help only to find more suffering, loneliness, and pain. That's where she is. Look at verse 27. She'd heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Mm. Mm. When Jesus is your last hope, your hope will last. Why? Because he can see what man cannot see because or he can heal what man cannot heal because he can see what man cannot see. She's gone to doctor after doctor, the smartest minds in the world. But somehow one touch from Jesus and he's healed what the smartest minds couldn't even identify. See, God doesn't need an MRI or a CAT scan. He's got eyes that can see from eternity to eternity. He's got eyes that can see faith. He can see faith. He responds to faith. You know what I love about this is it says not only did he heal her, but I love that it says she knew she was healed. She felt something change in her life. She had some pain she brought to Jesus. And the moment she touched him, she knew he changed her. Hmm. Sounds like a testimony. Sounds like I, 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 it sounds like somebody in here has lived that. Somebody in here has reached out by faith and touched Jesus and you felt a change. I don't feel the pain that I felt. I don't struggle with what I used to struggle with. Something's changed in me. This man, I've touched him. I've reached out in faith and he's changed me. Forever. She knew she was healed. When Jesus heals you, you know. She knew. 
This is going a lot faster, by the way. So, yeah, we will be out early. Um, we'll definitely be out early for sure. So, y'all, enjoy this. Get you some good food. Take a nap. Because next week, back to normal. All right? So, enjoy this. Enjoy this. All right? Take this break. So Jesus' authority enables him to, to walk with us. It enables him to heal what no man can heal because he can see what no man can see. Thirdly, his authority enables him to redeem the irredeemable because he is incorruptibly righteous. Redeem the irredeemable because he is incorruptibly righteous. I had to throw some big words in there, you know. <laughs> incorruptibly righteous. Look at verse 30. It says, And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see this crowd pressing around you, and yet you ask, Who touched me? Jesus, what do you mean, who touched me? It's a crowd of people. Everybody's touching you. Why would you ask that? Everybody's touching Jesus, but this touch was different. This touch was a touch of faith. You know what that tells me? You can be, you can be in proximity to Jesus and still miss him. You can come to church. You can serve, you can shout, you can raise your hands and still miss Jesus. This woman had faith and her faith gave her access to his power. Are you missing God at church? Have you experienced his transforming power? Or are you just in the crowd brushing up against the savior of the world with no idea who you're talking to? No idea who you're who you're lifting your hands to. It's transforming power. Faith gives us access to that power. So. You can be in proximity and still miss him, don't miss him. Don't miss him. Reach out by faith. Put your weight on it. You got to give something. You got to be desperate for Jesus. We're hurting. This is a hurting world. Are we crying out to Jesus in our hurt? Or are we trying to be strong? He doesn't want your status. He doesn't want your credentials. He wants your brokenness. Be broken before Jesus. Be broken. Be desperate before Jesus. Don't miss him. It's easy to miss him in the Bible Belt. 
It's easy to miss him when you grew up in church. Easy to miss him when everything is so familiar. Doesn't change his power. So many people grow up upset with God, not knowing they're really upset with people. It's not God. Let me let me stop. Verse 32 says. And he looked around to see who had done it, who had touched him. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. This woman was fearful. One of the reasons she was fearful is because, as I told you, she was unclean. Now think about it. An unclean woman who was not supposed to be touching people goes into a crowd to get to Jesus. You think maybe there was some shame and some guilt that she had to push through to get to Jesus? You think there was some pain she was carrying when she pushed through to get to Jesus? Matter of fact, she was afraid of touching Jesus. She was afraid of touching him because she didn't want to contaminate Jesus. See, sometimes we project how we view ourselves onto God. We're so blinded by our shame and guilt that we start to doubt his holiness. She was afraid of touching him because if I if I touch him, I won't be able to be clean. I'll contaminate him. What she didn't know is that Jesus has never seen a mess that his holiness couldn't wash away. Let me just speak from experience. I thought I was too far gone. I was ready to give up. I was ready to take my life. I thought I was beyond repair. But when I reached out to Jesus, he washed me white as snow. I had done some things. I had lived a certain way. And I thought that if I touched this man, you know, Satan used to say to me when I would pray, you coming to God again about this thing? You, don't you think he's tired of you? He don't want to hear that no more. And Jesus says, I can wash it away. You know, I don't know what uh, what detergent you use on your clothes in my house, as as for me in my house. Um, we use that Tide. OK. That Tide, won't he do it? Hey, hey, 
Uh, Roll Tide. I'm just playing. Just a joke. Don't come for me. I know who the champs are, okay? In my house, we use Tide. Now, I think we all know when we see a Tide commercial that them clothes they're using in that commercial, they got those out the cleaners. Okay? They bought that right off the rack because it ain't that clean. Okay? It ain't that clean. It works, but it ain't that clean. But Jesus, he's an all-purpose cleaner. Yeah, yeah, see, see, he works on sexual sin. He works on depression. He works on anxiety. He works on fear. He works on it all. He's all-purpose cleaner. I'm not supposed to be here, but he washed me, and he'll wash you. Your mess is not too big for him. You can't contaminate Jesus. His holiness is greater than your sin. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm emotional. I'm emotional because I'm looking at friends in the room who I, I know your story. I know students, students in the youth group who confess to some things, but they trust God. Students. 14, 15 years old. We had a powerful service this past Wednesday, and I'm just on a high. I, I haven't come down. God, I, I, I know the stories, and I know my story. I thought I was too far gone. I thought it was over for me. 
I gave up on myself. But one touch, one touch, and he washed it away. Now I'm halfway across the country preaching. Preaching. Only God. Only God. The woman, verse 33, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him. And she told him the whole truth. The whole truth. Another reason she was afraid is because she thought she would contaminate Jesus. And when she didn't, she knew she was in the presence of God. She knew that I am standing before God Almighty. Because if he can redeem me, when the world's cast me away, doctors couldn't heal me, couldn't heal me, I touched this man with a mixture of fear and faith, and he used that little bit of faith to heal me. She felt it. She knew it. Immediately, the blood dried up and his power went out from him. Jesus knows somebody, somebody has faith. Isn't it good to know that when we come to Jesus, each one of us, his power goes out to us individually? That's a personal relationship. He feels his power coming to you. He feels that. That's personal. And my favorite part, point number four, his authority enables him to give us what we don't know we need so that we can be eternally freed. Eternally freed. I tried to rhyme for you too a little bit. <laughs> give us what we don't know we need so that we can be eternally free. Look at verse 34. And he said to her, daughter. Daughter. This woman who couldn't have a family of her own, who was disowned, he says, daughter. She was as far away as she could get, and he brought her as close as she could get. Daughter. Daughter. He calls us his own. He brings us into his family.
daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus, why do you tell the woman to be healed if you already healed her? She's already been healed. And he says, be healed. I'm going to nerd out for just a minute. Okay, I'll make it quick. The Greek word for healed is sozo. Sozo also means saved. Means salvation. So she came to Jesus for physical healing. And he gave it to her. But then he saved her. He gave her what she didn't know she needed. See, we get so caught up in our life and the way it is and things that don't go the way we want them to go and suffering and, and, and being uncomfortable and going through things we don't want to go through. But Jesus is saying, um, I know your problems are real. I know you're hurting, but there's something more important. There's something more important than healing. I know the TV preacher said that if you just have enough faith, your healing is on the way. By the way, why is it always on the way? When, when, is, when does it get here? Because I've been, I've been waiting for a while. It's always on the way. Maybe they're like, maybe just kind of like dangling a carrot, hoping that you keep tithing. Anyway, um, Jesus says eternal healing is always better than temporary healing, than earthly healing. Write this down. Disciples must know and trust that our earthly healing cannot compare to eternity in heaven. We must know and trust that our earthly healing, our, earth, our earthly suffering, cannot compare to eternity in heaven. So do you trust that? Do you believe that? He exchanges our temporary suffering with eternal peace and comfort. This woman comes to Jesus. She's been suffering for 12 years. And Jesus says, let's make a deal. How about you give me your 12 years of suffering and I give you an eternity of peace? I know you didn't ask for it. But I'm going to give it to you because of your faith. 
So which one do you value more? If you had to, I'm getting ahead of myself, but if you had to suffer, would it be worth it to you? If you knew that you had eternity in heaven, would you, would you, would you, would you riot when the government doesn't make the decision that you think they should make if you really believe that this was not your home? Would you do that? Would you be tempted to give up on God if you really believed that you would spend eternity in heaven? We put the verses on the screen. Romans 8.18. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Do you believe that? 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, check this out, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Do you believe that? 2 Corinthians 4.10, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He gives us what we don't know we need so we can be eternally freed. We just want to be free tomorrow. God wants us free forever. Trust that. Come out of these earthly situations and trust Jesus. You got to believe that heaven is waiting for you when you put your faith in him. That has to that has to be precious to you. That has to mean more than money. That has to mean more than physical health. Spiritual health has to mean more. I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but is eternity longer than 12 years? Have you ever sat and tried to think about how long forever is? Just keeps going and going. This is a homework. Let's put the homework on the screen. Ask yourself this question. Do I really trust that my earthly suffering cannot compare to an eternity with Jesus? Why or why not? Let's be honest. Why or why not? Alex said it earlier. David came to Jesus with his doubt, with his anger. If you're angry at God because you're suffering, if you don't trust that that eternity really waits for you, tell him. Be broken before him. That's the only way you'll experience his righteousness. Surrender.
I should note, by the way, that obviously everything I've said pertains to those who believe in Jesus. So if you're here, matter of fact, not, not only this, if you're here and you, and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you know you haven't trusted in his authority, we invite you to come. We invite you to come now. If you're in a desperate situation, be desperate for Jesus. If you feel a tug right now, that's the Holy Spirit. Respond. Look what he did for these people. He still does that. At this church, we believe, like the song said, that he's going to do it again. So even if you're here and you are saved and you haven't, you haven't been walking in his authority, you've been trying to walk by your own authority, can we pray with you? Can you lay that down today? Can you allow him to wash you clean? Surrender. Trust. Surrender. Trust. Faith is trust. Trust in him. He can carry it. I promise you he can carry it. It's not too heavy for him. It is too heavy for you. Would you come? Even if you don't come now, you can come after service. Don't wait. Can we get somebody to pray with her? your name? Kelsey. Kelsey. Kelsey, do you trust that Jesus is the Son of God? Repeat after me. I, Kelsey, put all my trust in Jesus. Lord, I acknowledge you as Lord of my life that you have authority over all. That you have saved me. That you have brought me out of darkness into your marvelous light. I trust you, Jesus. May I spend the rest of my life Trusting in you. Trusting in you. Amen. Amen. God bless you.
church, church is for the lost and the found. Through this series, as we communicate the authority of Jesus, our response to his authority is trust. So as you leave, take your trust in Jesus to another level. That Jesus, even if you don't heal me on this side, You've already healed me forever. I won't have to live in this body. I won't have to deal with the stress of this life. I get to be with you forever. That's good news. I guess I'll just let you leave early. 1025. Okay. I love y'all. Thank you so much for the privilege of communicating God's word to you.